Now, once again, with today's Carolina Newsmakers, here's Don Curtis. Well, there are three topics down at the bottom of my list, and I want to attack those in this segment of Carolina Newsmakers. Our guest is Dr. Mike Walden. He is the William Neal Reynolds Distinguished Professor Emeritus, he's now retired, of Agricultural and Resource Economics at North Carolina State. And, of course, he's probably the closest thing North Carolina has to a state economist is uh, people in private business and the government depend a great deal on his opinions and his thoughts. And and uh, uh, he is uh, usually very level-headed and gives us great advice. So we're always interested in what uh, Mike has to say. Mike, we have not talked about the stock market, and that's uh, uh, kind of a, 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 another interesting part of 2023. Yeah, the stock market's uh, done be- had done much better. In fact, set, <clears throat> set records in 2023. I'm not sure where I didn't look today. Uh, so I think the stock market fooled a lot of people. Again, people like me who at the beginning of 2023 were worried about a recession. Didn't happen. Uh, we got growth, good growth, actually. Uh, good job growth, good consumer spending. Um, uh, so all the numbers work together to cause the stock market to actually have an extraordinarily good year in 2023. It, it's interesting how, however, the, you, you always have to, it's what the stock market expects that sometimes is more important than what has happened. And I think we had a good, a good example of this. Um, about a week ago, Jay Powell, who's the head of the Federal Reserve and a very, very cautious person, and Federal Reserve chairs are very, very cautious in terms of speaking to the media because they know their words can can move mountains in the economy. But he did let it slip. I don't know if it was a slip or he was he was planning on it. He did say, I, I guess I should be, be straight. He said that um, the Federal Reserve likely would not move on rate cuts as soon as many people expected. You know, you get these, when the Federal Reserve says, yeah, we're going to cut rates in 2024, everyone is, well, when, when, when? You know, they, they try no. to pinpoint it. And so he made that statement, and you immediately saw a big hit on the stock market. I think it may have recovered from that hit. But that's an example of how just a simple notion like that, the Federal Reserve chairs, well, we're not, we're, we're going to cut, but maybe not as soon as, as a lot of people like Bama would hit the stock market. So my point here is that I think a lot of where the stock market goes in terms of 2024 is going to be dependent upon the Federal Reserve's policy. When they cut, um, how much they cut, how many cuts, et cetera. So that, that I think, is the one of the prime, going to be one of the prime movers. Now, as long as the economy continues to grow, uh, and again, that's what the expectation of most economists is. No recession will grow. We might not have gangbuster growth, but at least growth. But that's good for the stock market also. But watch that Federal Reserve and more importantly, watch expectations about the Federal Reserve. A lot of people think one of the key issues that will be a part of the election coming up this fall, no matter who the candidates might be, will be the national debt because it mm-hmm. has been rising quite rapidly. And of course, when interest rates go up, the, the cost of that debt goes up. Well, um, we've been talking about the national debt as an issue for decades. Um, it has accelerated. And of course, the big reason for that was COVID. We pretty much uh, put a, an additional $7 trillion on our debt because of COVID and the, and the, and the programs that were passed and, and money pushed in. And I understand that because we didn't know where we were going with COVID. Um, I, I do not look for any great breakthrough, whomever's elected president. 
uh, this fall. I don't look for any great breakthrough in terms of corralling the national debt. <clears throat> we are capable of making the interest payments on the debt. Now, now periodically we get at the, these debt limit things that kind of, uh, and you hear people's hair on fire. Well, if we don't pass the debt limit, we're going to default. And eventually we do pass the debt limit and, and it goes up. But I, I mean, there are a lot of ideas about how to corral the national debt. I, I wrote a book a couple of years ago called Real Solutions. I've got some some ideas in there also, but I just practically don't think we've got, we collectively have the uh, fortitude to move ahead on any of them. So I think we're going to continue to see debt added. I think we're going to continue to see uh, as interest rates go up, you're absolutely right. Uh, that's added to our uh, the cost of carrying that debt. Although if interest rates start to go down, that will help. Um, so I, yeah, I don't, uh, I don't, I don't look for any any great breakthroughs there. Now I don't know if you want to talk about another associated idea that's uh, people are beginning to worry about, and that's Social Security. Um, Social Security uh, has has publicly said. They're not trying to hide it that you know we got a problem. So you in Washington, we have a problem. Social Security is saying we're not going to be able to make the payments we promised to people starting in 2032. Uh, in 2032, we're going to have to cut by about 25% what people are getting. I'm getting Social Security now. My, my wife Mary's getting Social Security. Um, and, and when I mention that when I give talks, people people sort of know, know this, but they don't know the number 25%. Um, what's going to happen there? Totally different, I think, than with, with national debt. There will be a solution. Um, I think politicians know Social Security is too popular to let it uh, to let it fall. And my and what I expect, uh, Don, is around 2030, whomever's president will appoint a commission, just like Ronald Reagan did in 1980 or 81. Same problem then. Uh, will appoint a commission. It'll have Democrats, it'll have Republicans, it'll have independents, it'll have labor, it'll have business. All the players will be there, and they will hammer out a solution. I can I can assure you the solution will include raising Social Security taxes as well as likely raising the retirement age again. That's why politicians delay having these commissions, because they know they're going to have to do bad things people don't like. But that'll do it, and we'll be back on track, and you won't see that 25% cut. Well, as you said, it's it's absolutely a vital part of people's estate planning, and people count on it. It's an entitlement that uh, that uh, affects the largest number of people of all the entitlement programs, and it yeah. would be almost political suicide to change it and, radically. And, and the big problem here now is the same as it was forty years ago: demographics. Uh, we're we're living longer, and <clears throat> people are living longer. And what's different now is at the other end. Birth rates going down. We didn't have that problem or issue 40 years ago, so we're not generating new workers to to replenish Social Security. Uh, at the same time, we got more people living longer who are taking Social Security, yeah. and uh, that's that's the crux of the problem. But again, uh, that's why there will uh, those two solutions. There'll be others too, but I can guarantee you, uh, to the extent I can guarantee anything that. Two of the elements of a of a solution in twenty uh, I predict this will come out sometime in twenty thirty one will be higher social security taxes and increasing the age for retirement. Well, it, it would seem to me the way to attack that would be to add one month a year um, for the next between now and then, and it wouldn't be near the blow it's going to be later on. It would seem like to me you could put your toe in the water 
and get it done a lot quicker by just doing it in very small increments mm -hmm. and uh, push that 2032 deadline out at least four or five years that way. But anyway, uh, they didn't ask me. You know, <laughs> and they won't uh, ask me to be on the commission either. No, so. <laughs> not. Uh, uh, student debt and debt forgiveness. Where does that yeah. stand now, and, and how will that impact the economy? Well, yeah, uh, this has got uh, uh, political marks all over it. I mean, the president tried a big forgiveness. Forgiveness. Um, some groups took took it to the Supreme Court. Supreme Court said no, <clears throat> can't do that. President, you don't have the that power. So he's found some some workarounds. Uh, I, I don't know the details, but he's found, he's found some workarounds. So there has been some forgiveness of student debts, not not the massive forgiveness that the president immediately proposed. Um, I have I have I have different views on this. I mean, the one side of me who, of course, was around students for um, four decades, I understand um, student debt was is is a big burden. Um, something when I was in college largely didn't exist, and now it's now it's a, it's a big deal, and I get that. It, when people go to graduate and get their job, and they say, "Oh, I got a big chunk here. It's got to go to pay off my student debt. <clears throat> Therefore, I can't buy a new home or whatever once I get uh, once I have children or whatever it is." So I, I get that from the from the student point of view, but from the other point of view, I argue, I think I'm I'm a <clears throat> traditionalist on this. If you take out debt and you promise to pay it back. You should pay it back. Uh, that's that's the way I was brought up, and that's the way my my mind works. Uh, everyone's not going to agree with that. Uh, I think the I think the ultimate solution here, Don, would be to find ways to moderate the big increases that we have seen. Not so much in North Carolina. North Carolina, uh, you, you may be aware of this. <clears throat> North Carolina has the sixth lowest tuition and fee rates among public universities. Sixth lowest of all the states. Uh, so not so much here in North Carolina, but in a lot of places, uh, uh, college expenses have just gone off the charts. And I think if, <clears throat> my, my first step would be to say, if I had some administrative control over that, if I was a governor or, or a, a, some sort of central authority in another state, I'd say, well, let's look at your budget here. What what are you spending? What are you doing? What Do we need this? Do we need that? Maybe are you getting away from your core mission of teaching? So. I think there could be ways that we could make <clears throat> universities and colleges a little more affordable. Well, compound this with the mounting problems in funding college athletics, mm -hmm. the state universities, uh, uh, you know, when they pay for a scholarship, they pay, they pay the full thing. The athletic department mm -hmm. pays for it. Right. Mm -hmm. The private schools uh, can invade their private funds to support their uh, yeah. uh, athletic endeavors. And that worries me a little bit because I don't know that the donors of that money had that in mind when they built their endowments. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. I keep the privates and the publics separate. I mean, I, my, most of my comments would be with regard to publics because we have, we as citizens of North Carolina, of course, are helping to pay for NC State, help pay for my salary and UNC and all the other campuses. I think that's a different situation. The privates are private, whatever they, they do, it's, it stays in the house there. I don't disagree with your points, but my focus has always usually been on the uh, always usually. How about that for for a combination of words? Has always been on on the publics because we've got public money there, so it is a public issue. Well, as as you said, we should be very proud of the fact that we have 
been yeah. able to keep uh, our cost of education in the uh, 60s. Yeah, I always, I always like to point that out. North Carolina yeah. has done a very good job. And of course, the legislature and the Board of Governors are, are behind most of this, and you were on the Board of Trustees at UNC. Yeah, I think we've had a great leadership there that has been very cognizant of keeping um, higher education at the, in the public schools uh, accessible to as many people as we can. Uh, gas prices, of course, are a constant reminder of how the economy stands because every time somebody drives anywhere, they pass all the signs with the gas uh, signs on it. And in in the Raleigh area the, and in North Carolina, the gas prices are staying fairly close to $3 a gallon right. uh, and have been for a little longer period of time than I can remember in a long time. It's been more stable. Do you forecast that uh, this year will be about the same? uh that's a yeah that's a safe forecast yes so when you're when you're when you don't know as a forecast you say yeah i think it'll stay the same i mean i'm being a little facetious here uh again that was a, that was a big story a year ago there i think the expectation a year ago was gas prices were going to spike again didn't happen but again it's it was supply you know everything in economics don is supply and demand it's yeah. actually economics is very simple supply and demand uh, the more supply you got, the less less costly, uh, less, lower prices are going to be. The more demand you got, then the opposite. And so what's always key in, in gas prices are where you stand with supply and demand. Usually in the wintertime, people don't drive as much, so we see some lowering of gas prices. Then in the summer, we see the opposite. But on the supply side, if we've got a you know, big concern when the uh, Israeli-Hamas war started, is, hey, is that going to disrupt oil supplies out of the Middle East? Uh, it has not, and at the same time, we we started pumping more. So, uh, yeah, I don't see anything that would change that, uh, other than if there was a major escalation in the Middle East. I mean, there was talk after <clears throat> our three great soldiers uh, that we all mourn were killed in um, in um, uh, Jordan, that maybe we'd retaliate on the oil supplies in in Iran. Well, it's going to be something interesting to watch. We've got one final segment with Dr. Mike Walden. Coming up, and we're going to focus uh, entirely on North Carolina's economy, what our strongest sectors are, and uh, the housing market and the long-range outlook as aging population increases and those issues and more when we return with the final segment of Carolina Newsmakers. Steven. Who said that? Me, down here. <gasps> what are you, a yellow booger? I'm a banana slug, Steven. Well, uh, what are you doing in my room? I'm your sense of adventure. Don't you remember me? Don't you know that we miss you? Miss me? Who misses me? You know, all your friends in the forest. The trees, the pond, that little fort that you made out of branches. We all miss you. Mom took me to the forest last year. I'm a slug, Steven. It took me a long time to get here. Oh, I guess that makes sense. The forest is not that far away. Have an adventure today. I'm sure your mom would take you. You're right. I should get out. I want to have fun. Plant puddles, catch frogs, and climb trees. Hey, Mom! Yeah, hon? <gasps> Stephen! What is that in your hand? It's my sense of adventure, Mom. It's telling me we need to get out of the house and have some fun in nature today. Come to the forest where the more adventurous you lives. Check out discovertheforest.org for cool places nearby. Brought to you by the U.S. Forest Service and the Ad Council. Talking to your kids about the dangers of vaping can be hard. Getting them to listen to hot gossip is easy. So here's some drama you could share with your kid. Dude, did you hear about Cassie and Jake? No, but did you hear that vaping can cause irreversible lung damage and nicotine affects brain development? <gasps> Nuh-uh. You don't need to gossip if you want to have an open conversation about vaping. So if you want to get tips on when and how to talk to your kids, visit talkaboutvaping.org. 
Brought to you by the American Lung Association and the Ad Council. Carolina Newsmakers continues, and once again, here's Don Curtis. We're back on Carolina Newsmakers, our final segment with Dr. Mike Walden, the uh, closest thing to an economist uh, for the state of North Carolina and someone that we have depended on here on the North Carolina News Network and WPTF for years to explain in uh, terms that even I can understand uh, what the economy is doing. Mike, let's look at the North Carolina economy. We've alluded to it uh, a couple of times already, but what are our strongest segments and how have we continued to change from that textile cigarette manufacturing economy to what is now uh, an economic balance that uh, I guess the entire nation looks at with great envy? Well, I think there's a lot there's a lot of uh, excitement about the North Carolina economy that that continues the um if you talk to uh, economic development people in North Carolina, I think I think North Carolina has been ranked the top state for economic development. I forget who does this uh, for two years in a row, and there's a lot of hope that maybe we'll get a three three peat and have that done for 2023 also. Uh, but I mentioned the numbers earlier when I, I just checked that we have grown in terms of jobs at twice the rate since um, uh, since the pandemic's been over. Than, than the nation, so so that's great. And another thing here, Don, that I found actually pleasingly surprising when I was looking at these numbers, I divided them between jobs in metros and jobs in non-metros, and do you know that between uh, 2020 and right now, uh, job growth has actually been faster by a little bit, not a lot, but a little bit faster in our non-metros than in our metros. Wow. And it's going to be interesting to see if that, that continues. It might have to do with some after effects of COVID. Maybe people saying, hey, you know what? We want to live outside the cities. Uh, we want a little more breathing room, uh, worried about uh, about the virus coming back. So that that was actually very pleasing for me to, uh, to see. If you look at the sectors where job growth has been uh, greatest, I mean, obviously at the top, you're going to see uh, professional jobs. Uh, now here was an, an education and healthcare. Those are, those are always been obvious. Interestingly, one that stood out to me uh, again looking over this time period uh, of faster job, faster than average job growth was warehousing and transportation. Uh, that sector has been growing at a faster rate than the seven percent I mentioned for the overall state economy. And my guess there is this has to do with the changing way in which people buy products and and. Uh, and they, they go online and buy them. <clears throat> so they have to be warehoused or they have to be a warehouse where they're stored. Then they get delivered. So that was a very interesting uh, point. One downside of the numbers I looked at, if, again, if you go back to right the economy before COVID, so I'm using uh, February of 2020 as my beginning point, and I'm looking at uh, December 2023 as my end point. Uh, and manufacturing jobs actually went down. We lost about a, a 1% to our manufacturing job base. So we're, we're, I think we're still having a transition there. Uh, we're still trying to find our way. And of course, uh, the big growth areas have been in technology, uh, pharmaceuticals. We now have this hope of, a, I call it a um, renewable energy sector. I mean, uh, 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 VinFast is probably the, the, the top example of that, but we have the battery factory in, in the Greensboro area by Toyota. We have the uh, chip factory by Wolf Speed in Chatham County. So it's going to be interesting to see if those, uh, to, to the degree which those grow and add jobs. And I'm actually very excited about that, particularly the location, 
because, uh, as I said earlier, I was surprised, positively surprised by the fact that metro, uh, non-metro jobs grew faster than metro jobs. That's and, and the reason I was surprised is that that's not been the case, as you know, Don, for about the last three or four decades. Yeah. Uh, the big cities have grown. It's been the rural areas that have suffered. So we saw a little bit of a turnaround there. And if you think about that, that corridor between uh, Chatham County over to south of uh, Greensboro, and Winston-Salem, that's a pretty rural area along along 64. And then you've got rural counties to the north and south of 64. And think about the, what is it, uh, 10 to 15,000 new jobs that are expected by those aforementioned companies. Yeah. That could be a big boon for, for people in those, all those rural counties to get new training. And there and I know VinFast is already starting their, their training at the Central Carolina Community College, getting new training, getting much better pay. So I'm really excited about that because I think that's exactly what we need to have happen in a lot of rural North Carolina. Uh, broadband, of course, has been something we've talked about. Are we making the proper progress in bringing broadband to all parts of North Carolina? Uh, well, the federal government now is involved in that. It was, what was it, the inflation, it was the, no, it was the um, infrastructure bill. Uh, there were two bills there. The infrastructure bill that was passed I think in 2022, and then the so-called Inflation Reduction Act, which was actually a climate bill, uh, was passed in 2022. Uh, I think it's um, I think it's the from the infrastructure bill where money is now beginning to uh, start to come into North Carolina, be able to be dispersed. So we finally got some federal money behind that because that's I mean I mean everyone knows that's absolutely crucial to have high-speed internet availability anywhere you are now. It's like electricity was in the 1920s. And um, I've yet to see how many customers Musk is getting from his um, Starlink. Those are the satellites way up there. You know, he's the one that's keeping the lights on, or at least the computers up in Ukraine. He immediately uh, said, hey, you got free access to my Starlinks there. So that's another player here. But, yeah, we, we, we definitely have to get high-speed internet availability to every place, everywhere in North Carolina. And that's certainly going to help that rural development. Well, North Carolina is not only bringing in a lot of jobs, but North Carolina has also turned out to be a uh, very desirable place for people to retire. And so that actually will increase our aging population somewhat. Uh, how will that affect us? Yeah, and it will. And, and you know, one thing uh, to remember, though, that not all people who retired don't work. Uh, I mean, I'm officially retired from my main job, but I still work. I do consulting. And a lot of people do that. And when I give speeches, I tell a group, especially as a business group, I ask them in the show, raise a hand, who's having still still having trouble finding workers? And you're always going to have a number of hands go up. And I say, don't forget the over age 55 group. Uh, there are a lot of people there who want to work. They maybe don't want to work 40 hours a week, so you probably have to change the complexion of your job or the composition of your job. But there are a lot of people there. So uh, I look at people, retirees coming here, certainly they're going to bring their they're going to be in their Social Security. They're going to retirement, so they're going to create economic development just by doing that. But there are a lot of there. There are are certainly potential workers. And when you mention North Carolina as a re, as a retirement haven, I mean I, I've been here now almost 50 years. Born in Ohio, married, born in New York State. We both love it here. I mean it's the total package here. You've got the beach. You've got the mountains. You've got the Piedmont in between. You've got cities. You've got rural areas. You've got decent weather. Uh, not burning hot in the summer and certainly not uh, uh, cold in the winter. And and this is something that people are often surprised when I tell them. If you look at the national cost of living, 
North Carolina's average cost of living, now it's going to vary where you are in the state, is 10% lower, 10% lower. So a lot of those retirees who are coming from New York, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Ohio, the Midwest, and they come down here and they say, wow, <clears throat> my dollar goes further here. That's one of the reasons I'm here. So, mm -hmm. yeah, it's uh, it's just uh, it's been a lo lovely experience uh, with my wife and I living here now for almost 50 years. It's just a wonderful state. I know you were born and raised here and yeah. worked here. But for people who come from outside, I think they're they're shocked by what a what a great place North Carolina is. And our, our government has gotten our, our government finances in great shape. I mean, we basically are a pay-as-you-go state. We we do borrow some money, but for, for the most part, we have a balanced budget. And we've done oh, yes. this yes. With, uh, within yes, that framework. Course. We always have debates over uh, taxes. That's 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 going to be endless. But, yeah, we have, uh, we have to have our balanced budget. Um, we can only we borrowing is limited to things like roads and bridges, et cetera. And and uh, speaking of roads, I mean, as we grow, we need more transportation, whether whether it be by vehicle or by rail or or, or flight. And um, one of the issues that has been ongoing is how do we fund the North Carolina Transportation Department? I was on a commission a couple of years ago who we took a deep dive into that. Clearly, the gas tax is not going to take curious forever. One reason being the increased efficiencies that you've mentioned. Another reason being people are going to be using more non-gas vehicles. Yeah. We have to figure out a way of raising money that doesn't rely on the gas tax, tolls, mileage fees. Those are all ideas. The General Assembly a couple of years ago actually started moving money out of the sales tax revenue to send it to transportation. So that's going to be an ongoing issue to see how that plays out because clearly we need transportation investments. Well, we've got a minute and a half for you to summarize for those who joined the program late, the wonderful uh, recap that you gave us in the first segment of the overall view of the economy and what you're forecasting for the upcoming year. Well, so, the Cliff Notes version. You can summarize it in about a minute and a half. Cliff Notes version is we don't see a recession. We, being economists, don't see a recession this year. Fortunately, we didn't have one in 2023. A lot of us were wrong on that. A uh, big issue for 2024, besides the election, is going to be the Federal Reserve. They said they're going to cut interest rates. The question is, when are they going to start to cut? How many cuts? Where will we be at the end of the year? So keep an eye on that. But for people who want to jump into the home market, home buying market, and they've not been able to because of those interest rates, there's light at the end of the tunnel. I'd still hold out. I wouldn't make any moves until the end of the year. But that's certainly good. North Carolina numbers show we are continuing to grow, faster growth in the nation, about twice as fast. Good news is we've seen some faster growth recently in the last couple of years in rural areas. So we, we want to spread the wealth, if you will, in North Carolina. High-speed Internet's part of that. I think remote work is a big part of that. I wrote a whole book about that, about how people could work remotely and that could revive rural North Carolina while they've got a company they work for that might be in the metros. So I think there are certainly exciting things, challenging things, but but on the other hand, exciting things for North Carolina in the next few years that will take us into uh, the rest of this uh, century. And then, uh, well, I won't, we, won't, we won't be around, Don, in, in 2050, <laughs> but uh, hopefully we'll set the table so that yeah. it's going to be very good for those in 2050. Well, you know, you uh, you listed all the reasons why North Carolina is a great place to, to live. One of the things that you didn't mention is we have unusually good health care on top of every, everything else that you did mention. And the one thing we need, though, Don, is Major League Baseball. You know, Jason will, will agree to that. We need to get a Major League team here. I know the Reds won't come here, but maybe the White Sox. 
well, that's a thought. And, uh, uh, the, you know, Greensboro would be an ideal location for a Major League Baseball team. I guess that's another topic for another day. <laughs> Our guest has been Dr. Mike Walden. And uh, uh, as we said, he's recently written a new book that you uh, might want to look for, The 60-Minute Investment Guide, which reduces how to invest to about 40 pages plus some uh, access to some uh, uh, internet uh, programs that will help you even further. Um, so uh, you might want to look at that book. It's a great book, and I highly recommend it. Available, uh, on, available on Amazon. Available on Amazon. <laughs> um, thank you for that. Uh, our program has been produced by Jason Kong, and if you'd like to hear a repeat of this broadcast or share it with a friend, you can go online to carolinanewsmakers.com. That's carolinanewsmakers.com, and you can hear either the entire broadcast, or if you're listening to one of the stations that carries only the half-hour version, you can pick up the two segments that you miss. So that's about it for this week. We'll look forward to seeing you again next week on the same group of stations. Till next week, have a good week, everybody. Carolina Newsmakers is a production of NCN and is heard each week on a network of North Carolina's leading radio stations. To hear a repeat of this broadcast, go to carolinanewsmakers.com. Carolina Newsmakers is produced by Jason Kong. Network engineer is Alan Sherrill. I'm Scott Fitzgerald inviting you to join us again next week, same time, for Carolina Newsmakers. Newsmakers.